Hey guys, welcome to episode 24 of the Grad Life Podcast. I'm here with Lorna Finnegan, who is a customer experience specialist in Google in the Dublin office. Hello. Lorna, thank you very much for joining us. You're welcome. Now, it's actually not going to be Google that we're talking about at all, because we've had a few uh, Googlers, Googlers and ex-Googlers on the podcast so far. But you've had a really interesting journey from college to where you are now. Um, I hope it's across. interesting. Oh, yeah, oh it yeah, is, yeah. it is. So um, we'll probably start off by just learning about your college days, what you did, where you went, um, etc. Okay, great. Do you want me to start? Will I go from the... All yours. Take the wheel. Back in the day. So my journey started in 2010. Started in DCU studying communications. And when you study communications, what do you actually do? Like, what do you actually study? That's a really good question. Yeah, and um, one that I genuinely don't know the answer to. was the course that was in one way the joke of DCU because people used to just never really know what we did right but then we just kind of played along with it because we didn't know what we we're doing either right okay so essentially it's an introduction to media studies sociology um journalism pr like a, a kind of an overview on okay comms related so my drive to get into that was i wanted to be on the radio right yeah so i studied that specialized in audio production um but it wasn't actually what i learned in college that i took from that so essentially it was like eight hours a week of lectures but it was continuous assessment we were the one course that barely had any exams um so it meant that we had loads of time outside of that to get involved with both societies so i was a bit of a this was jack of all trades master of none i was playing football with dcu ga and then tr- trying to create my own radio show as well so like yeah, I really, really threw myself at clubs and societies through, there's only three year course in DCU. So, right. Yeah. I didn't know you created a radio show. Yeah. What was that like? It was called The Crack House. Right. Yeah. C-R-A-I-C. Yeah, let's hope. Um, it was great. It was really, I actually started off, so like trying to get into the radio show, I first, in my first year, went in at like nine o'clock in the morning on Tuesdays and Thursdays reading the news headlines. Mm-hmm. Like and then I was a sports headline reader and I used to have to go in extra early for that because I needed to check with the lads how to pronounce sports names because I had no yeah, clue. Okay, yeah. Um and then created my own show with my friend Seamus and we used to get the people on and quiz them. We had this quiz show called Who Wants to Be Who Wants to Win a Euro Live on Air? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> it was really um yeah, really college-centric, but we would basically find out loads of dirt about that person and then quiz them about it on air. So we would be like, Mark, who was your first kiss? And then we'd name three girls that you know, and you know the right answer, and you would have right. to answer it. Yeah. It That's was really fun. Yeah, idea. yeah, it was really fun. It was a really fun show. Like, we didn't take anything seriously. We would have do, like, little box pops and, like, interview people out around the university and stuff like that. We only did it for a year. Um, but it was just more so to actually learn how to edit and use the decks and stuff like that. Yeah, right. Yeah, and if, then I, okay. I, I'd highly recommend someone that uh, a college student out there do something yeah. like that. That's a brilliant idea. Oh, absolutely. How would you do it? Like how? Oh yeah. So in DC, there's a really, really well-renowned media univers- or media society called NPS Media Production right. Society. So they do everything from their own TV shows to radio shows. Um, I'm trying to think what else we cover on TV at the moment like everything photography they cover it all so it's basically student to student learning so okay. people, like third years let's say or, or fourth years will hold classes and teach the first years up and train them on the equipment 
So you learn more through the societies than you would almost in college. Because yeah, okay. You can put as much time into it as you want. Yeah. And they do really good, like, rental programs, so you can rent equipment from them and stuff like that. So God, that's incredible. Yeah, right, it's right, right. amazing the access, the equipment that you have access to. Yeah, it's, fair play. So you did fair, that, and yeah. then uh, you were finishing out in communications then? Yeah, then I kind of realised that... I want to park radio, my radio career for when I'm retiring. Right. I, I've decided that I am going to do radio when I have like lived a crazy life and then I'm going to have a radio show. Talk about it on air. Yeah. 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 I just, yeah, I think that's what that's That makes that. sense. So going from, so I was in my third year of university in communications, kind of wondering what I was going to do next. And I suppose I had had such a good experience through being in different clubs and societies that I was kind of like, there's room for me to give back here to the students. So I ran for student welfare officer of the students' union. Right. So that was really intense because, like, you had to run your own campaign. You had to put yourself out there. That's like full politics. Yeah. You run a full Absolutely, campaign. Absolutely, yeah. Like, writing up your like? own manifesto. That must be so weird. It was really daunting because you have the Van Wilders in universities everywhere that are so up to speed on student politics yeah. like every rule in the book and here was I kind of coming in as a bit of a rookie like saying this is something I really want to do I'm really passionate about the university um, and the people in the university I'd not a clue about student politics right so I know I suppose I wrote my manifesto with the intention of maybe helping someone in each kind of I suppose trying to help as many people as I could in the university so right. I felt I found that the hardest trying to appeal to as many people as I could because that's impossible. Like you're not you're never going to appeal to no. everyone. Um, so it was a lot of like going into random lecture halls, like having a short blurb on what you're about, and going up and really talking selling everyone. yourself. Yeah, right. And did you Putting stop people posters. in the streets or yeah. whatever? Oh, well? yeah, really? yeah, yeah. And I created ridiculous videos. Like I remember my brother clearly. Remember my brother texting me one day being like, "What have you done?" I I um. I wrote my own rap to no way. Fresh Prince of Bel Air, yeah, and I filmed it in front of a, like a farm full of cows in Cavan. I'm sorry to do this to you, but you have to no, give us no, not, not even the full thing. Just like give us a start. I, oh, no, oh no, 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 no. This is the story. You have some of it. Come on, one line. Oh, it's so cringe. It's fun. In Virginia County, Cavan, I was born and raised. Oh my god. It's really bad. That's class though. Yeah. And people would have appreciated it on some level. Maybe not the music, yeah. but like <laughs> That was me trying to appeal to everyone in the university. Like, right. That was my I honestly tactic. bet it worked. Not yeah. just saying that, but I bet it did work, like putting yourself at being a goofball. But this is what I've learned is the art of I suppose like winning not winning people over. That sounds a bit Geez, you are a politician. They're yeah, really it sounds very politician-y, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. But I feel like if you go into a room full of strangers and you're trying to like break the ice, the best Just way I find... rap for them. I agree, 100%. <laughs> no, I feel like almost... This sounds really deep, but like showing your vulnerability to yeah. them. Like I often go into like a room full of strangers and just be like, just say something really honest and that's everyone's thinking and then mm. they'd be like, oh yeah, she actually said what everyone's thinking. Yeah. And then instantly they're pals. You're yeah. all pals. No, I agree with that. I'm such a politician. Oh my God. <laughs> Whoa. It is. It is very true though. Like people kind of, because if a stranger walks in, yeah. you might like naturally just as like primal 
people or animals like we are kind of threatened by new yeah, people or yeah. new things and so when you see when someone just volunteers their humanity or vulnerability yeah. or whatever it might be that kind of just invokes a positive primal and natural yeah. reaction and that's kind of what i learned from becoming welfare officer so i it was honestly one of the best jobs i ever had so you won the election yeah i won i won um, and it was actually a very tough election because I there's only two people in the race, myself and a girl called Laura Rice. And she mysteriously was, disappeared. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> no I'm she was one of my best friends in my no class. Way. Right. Yeah. So the two of us were on together and or against each other. Um it was really nice because we were the first either way it was gonna be a girl that had won, which was gonna be nice because it was gonna be right. the first girl in in five years to be welcome. In five years, not ever, right, okay. Um and it was really strange because obviously we divided our class group, we divided our friend group. It was tough. Like, right. Yeah. But um, anyway, yeah. Are you like are you still friends? Oh with yeah, 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 yeah. We're still good friends. Yeah. yeah that's tough for a friendship yeah. to survive, something like that. Yeah. God. But it was completely amicable. Like we sure, just, just we talked understand. about it. We both said, I wanna go for this, she said I wanna go for this and we were like Cool. Yeah. May the best enough. woman win. Respect, very mature. You're so great. Um so yeah, I'm, I'm sorry about the disappearing job. Um you got it. I got it. And it's the best job you've ever had. Best job I've ever had, mostly because you just never knew what was gonna come in your door. So I really just learned So you've got an office in the college. Oh sorry, yeah. Oh like unreal. Had my own office, little couch, nice little computer, had my own phone. I just felt so important. <gasps> I'd vice president on my door. No it's way. great, yeah. And did you have to go to work every day? Like, you yeah. finished college now, you graduated, yes, yes. but you're back, you're Van Wildering just on campus. Exactly. Right? Yeah, okay. getting paid. Like, yeah. Yeah, I basically had an extra year in college and was paid. That's unreal. It was extremely tough. Like, I the first couple of weeks when the students came back, so basically you start in the summer, which was tough as well because I was expecting that to be like three months of ramp up and three months of yeah. learning the role. But what I forgot was that CAO offers come out in August. Oh yeah. So my phone did not stop with parents ringing me about accommodation. I was the, right. the name on the POC for accommodation. Okay. Yeah. So that was just interesting one because, yeah, you just you had parents crying down his phone to you going, "Oh, my Michael is coming out from Tipperary and we can't find anywhere for him and this is heartbreaking. Like I don't yeah. know where he's going to live." And it was heartbreaking because accommodation for students has just gone disastrous. Yeah. Um, so that was first kind of thrown in the deep end. And then, yeah, the whole just idea of, I suppose, being approachable to every everyone in the student population, mm. having kind of a brand maybe, or I suppose brand is the wrong word, but... Aura? Yeah, that is approachable. Like yeah. people are, feel comfortable opening up to you because mm. people would come in and sit down and it would take them a while or like they would want to tell you something and you would know they want to tell you something yeah. but depending on the, the day or the situation they kind of say oh I might come back to you later or do you know it, yeah. it's it, it amazed me because I kind of had quite a smooth sailing time in college it amazed me to see the amount of students that actually relied on the students sure. and it was amazing it was really it was amazing to see the impact that you could have just by listening to someone yeah yeah would I be right in guessing that a huge transition there would be going from what, what I, whatever age you were, maybe yeah. 21, 22, all the way up to 21, 22, only having to take care of yourself and even having other people take care of you yeah. 
to now being responsible for, for a 12, huge number students. of people. Yeah. And real personal issues, accommodation or yeah. grades change, whatever else there might be, real struggles yeah. in college. Was that a massive shift for you into responsibility? That, the idea of that scared me at the start. So I was worried I would walk into this and suddenly be burdened with everyone's problems. Yeah. And funny enough, that didn't happen. So I had kind of built my own support system for myself in terms of when a student came in, I was able to, I saw myself as a signpost. So a student would come into my office, sit down, rant, cry, whatever they needed to do. And I was kind of like the relatable peer for them just say like, look, this is okay. Like this is okay. This is okay. Remind them that and then look at their options for them. So I never put myself in the shoes of having to give someone advice because I knew I, there was no way I could give yeah. a, a mature student advice on how to get their their grant or yeah. a 17 year old just moving up to Dublin for the first time do you know so the book didn't stop with you yeah sort of. okay yeah, yeah yeah so I just made sure that I was looking at options with them encouraging them to take those options mm. and then I would follow up and maybe just check in with them and say see like how are you getting on like did you go to counseling or how are you finding it is it for you do you want me to help you with anything else like that kind of thing yeah okay so trying to kind of play the card of like a pal but like a responsible pal <laughs> <laughs> why um why should someone apply for that and why shouldn't they oh interesting honestly it in any job interview that i have had since i've had that role i've always talked about being around the rock right it's so you the experience alone of doing that for a year is amazing but the experience that you gain from it is I don't I don't know where else you could get that experience like you're managing welfare campaigns you're um dealing with real life issues mm. on a one-to-one -one basis every single day at an emotional level yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and you're doing th like you're organizing at scale like you have to put your politician hat on as well and be like okay, five students have come in to me today because they can't understand how to apply for their grant. Mm. That's not, not okay. I need to figure out, I need to speak to the finance department in DCU and w understand why the information isn't there. Yeah. Or like your process improvement, you're like you're doing process improvement all the time because you're thinking, I w the thing that I took away from the year was it's one year. You say yes to everything because you want to, you have that mentality where you're like, I'm not going to be here next year. Yeah. I'm going to do everything I can. But you don't want to firefight the whole time. You want to make sure that the person that's there next year isn't like fighting the same battles that you sure. are. So I found that really good. And I found, I'm trying to think of a reason why you shouldn't do it. I can't really, just hearing yeah. about it and having thought about it before, I can't really think of a reason. The one thing it. is, I suppose my next job after welfare officer was still very much in the student union world. And I feel like you can often get sucked into that. Okay. That's a fair, yeah. And yeah. I made a mistake. I really put my foot in it. When I, my last week of being welfare officer, I was in like a board meeting with all like the senior staff of DCU and they were thanking us for the work we had done. And I made some passing comment being like, yeah, off to the real world now next week. And they flipped at me. They were like, do you not think this is the real world? Right. And I was like, but it's not really like, well, it is, yeah. but I just felt like I was sucked into this student union bubble and I was like, I need to kind of branch out of this. Do you so know that was I've, the one thing, yeah. Something I've kind of learned or thought um, 
through working. And it, it happened yeah. especially with the bank. And I was in the bank and we're spending oh. all our time dealing with uh, what I was doing was like it was in the trading team. So it was kind of all this options and derivatives and how airlines are going to bet against the price of fuel and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And that was the real world. Yet there was no human impact yeah. to anything we were doing. And when I was in there, I was like, this is the real world. No, back where the humans are is yeah, where the real world. Yeah. So I would have said that where you were was as real, real as yeah. it gets. But I guess you have to leave that sphere to go out, see it, and then acknowledge that, yeah, that is in fact real. Yeah. And so that makes sense. And, and it's probably a good point for people to get out of that sphere. Not necessarily as soon as you can, but just to not get sucked into it, as you say. Well, yes, yeah, it kind of comes back to the idea of constantly being at the edge of your comfort zone. Like yeah. After a year, I got very comfortable and I stayed within that comfort zone for the next, like my next job after. Yeah, welfare. so tell us about the next job then. So, another side to welfare besides the, I suppose, emotional support side and the, the process improvement, it's a lot of event organization and I loved that. Um, so, I went into working for a startup that was run by like the ENTS officer in DCU, essentially. So it was very much what I knew. Mm. I was essentially trialing, creating event packages for universities and creating like roadshows to go around. Right. So it was kind of a tough job because I went into the startup, it was three men in their 40s and I was brought in as like the young yeah, mind. Yeah. And it was like, oh, you'll look after the website. You'll look after the social media. You'll call this person. So... I was juggling a bit of everything, which was great. Yeah. But at the same time, in one sense, I always say, like, use the context, context that you have. And really, like, I suppose, like, yeah, don't forget the people that you know kind of thing. But yeah. in a way, I, fe I felt like I was abusing that a little bit because I was reaching out to student unions that I had met through my previous job to try and boost this startup. And it just didn't feel natural. For some reason yeah okay it just yeah it didn't sit right with me and i suppose the whole beauty of being in the student union booking acts and create an experience for your university is that when you're in the students union you're trying to create that because you know your you know your student population and you're always trying to like have something that's different to another university yeah whereas what we were creating was like this package that was going to be the same for every university yeah because it made sense if you were like flying artists over that they would it was better for the artists because let's say you were flying over someone that we did was Hodor from Game of Thrones right okay he's a massive guy I had to book him on a ferry because I think he didn't fit on the plane he would have needed two seats no way yeah it's not what? mad and then he's like I'm actually a bit uncomfortable sitting in two seats on an airplane so can you book me a ferry what yeah so he oh drove over God. instead. But he does a DJ set called Rave of Thrones. No way. He's a really good DJ. That's incredible. So what my startup was looking at, which made sense, was like, well, if Hodor is going to come over to DJ in Manuk, he may as well do DCU, UCD, sure, give him a tour, Limerick, like. whatever, which made, would make sense for him. But sometimes universities were a bit slow to that because it yeah. was like, oh, we just don't want to do what everyone else is doing. Yeah. And I could understand that. I think from being in that role for the year, previous year, I was kind of like, I was the worst saleswoman ever. So they were like, no, we don't really want to do what Manute is doing. And I was like, yeah, I totally get you. Like, I wasn't, <laughs> I was a terrible saleswoman. I just, yeah, I wasn't That's good out And how long did you say another venture all that? I probably did it for only, the, I'd say five months. Oh, max. right. Yeah, not long at all. Not okay. long. 
I probably worked from finishing up in DCU uh, students union to maybe like getting like creating these events packages for Freshers Week and then come Freshers Week I would have right and are they still around the company I don't think so okay yeah. same with most uh, small companies and then Chicago came not yes and it's kind of a good story for this podcast, I think, because when I was in, when I was welfare officer, I met this guy who was setting up this um, company for J1ers going to Chicago. It was called Hop the Pond. Well, okay. And they so, were, but again, contacts coming in. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I suppose like one thing I learned from my events company, and this is one piece of advice that my boss there always gave to me was be nice to everyone because you're going to meet them on the way up but you're also going to meet them on the way down yeah sure and I, that really stuck with me because you can ask people for favors but they're going to need you for at some mm. stage and like i just feel like that kind of stuck with me so i met this guy when i was welfare officer he was starting up this company called hop the pond he wanted to reach out to students who were potentially looking at j1s in chicago and he wanted to be like basically have a list of jobs ready to go for people to apply for um, at a cost obviously you would kind of like pay a fee to this company and they would sort out your accommodation yeah and okay so they got on to me randomly when I was in the events job saying hey like would you actually you're a graduate like would you think of doing a year out here and it just came at the exact right time where I was kind of questioning what I was doing and I was like wow this is a sign I'm just going to do it like I was like nothing to lose why right. not so I went and got the grad visa and they had promised me a media job because with the grad visa you need a job that you are skilled in your field yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so they started me out in this tv station called big 10 it's all like college sports right and it was funny because it's kind of a bit of a weird story but like the guy who ran the startup or the J1 company also worked in this TV station. Like he had worked there before. Yeah, yeah. Right, okay. So they're actually, when I got there, this is a good story of like things going a bit tits up and then me realizing, oh, what have I done? Kind of thing. Right. So I land to Chicago, all excited. Like I'm going to be a TV presenter, like going to be Ron Burgundy in a year. Like yeah. this is amazing. I remember my Instagram. Like I was literally like, I'm Ron Burgundy. Like, I literally had it all planned. Yeah, I was set. Um, And I got there and there was no job for me. It was called Big Ten. There was no job for me there. And what Kevin decided to do was like, hey, like, let's just bring you around the the studio, introduce you to a couple of people, we'll get you shadowing people, and then, like, a job will just appear. So I was like, okay, well, I have no other choice. So I did that for about two weeks. I hung around long enough that they actually had to start paying me. Because I shadowed so much that I proved it was so weird. I shadowed people in the TV station for like two weeks, unpaid. But during those two weeks, yeah. Were you kind of thinking like I'm just gonna have to go home again, or what? Like, what? Where was your head? That's at what that my point? parents were thinking. Okay. They were like, "Dwarna, like, there's UTV have just opened in Dublin, like, or in Ireland. You need to come home, right?" Like, but I was really stubborn about it. Yeah. And I was like, "No, like, this is." This is I've I've said I'm going to do this for a year. I'm going to stay here. I was really just yeah stubborn about it. Um, so I I hung around long enough in the TV station to get maybe like three days paid work, 
and then they were like, you can be freelance, but we don't have anything to give you really. Right. So I was obviously really annoyed at this company because yeah. I was like, guys, you brought me over here. Brought me over here. Um, so they were apologetic and kind of said, look, we'll give you your money back or whatever because they had, I had to give them a fee to like help me out to get this job and there was yeah. no job there. So it was a real disaster. But I worked in a bar on the side for the first little while. I randomly one day was working on an event in the bar and it was WGN's Christmas Party, which are another massive TV station in Chicago, just as it happened. And I got a bit of work through them as well. You met them at the bar when you were working? I was bartending and I said, oh, I'm over, like I'm trying to get a job in TV or something. And this girl gave me her card and she was like, can you come in at 6am on Saturday? She's like, I do the morning shift, you can come in, can I do? Oh my God. Yeah. You, but I think you might be the second, definitely the second, maybe the third person, who's told me a story like that, where they're bartending. So yeah. everyone does a J1, the grad visa, they all work in bars at some point. At I the know, start. you're not and supposed then, to. Like, you're not supposed to, but everyone I hope I know one from and the music company. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, particularly in New York, they're all yeah. in bars. And they make crazy money, like actually crazy money, like a grand a week type of thing, plus yeah. tips, like it's mad. Um, but a lot of them, the Americans seem to love yeah. the Irish students who go over there really and give it a look crack. after them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because a few people have said they're getting interviews and that sort of thing through people they're serving in the bar. Yeah. Um, so always a very good option. Yeah. Now that, again, didn't work out for me that well. I clearly wasn't destined for TV either. Yeah. Um, so I ended up meeting another Irish guy that was doing this J1 and he was working for the Chicago Sun-Times. Right. Writing. Writing, yes. Okay. And... I basically plagued him. I was like, hey, like, ask him are they hiring. I can do the same thing that you're basically doing right now. Just No offense. <laughs> no offense. Yeah. But I can do your job. <laughs> like, pass on my CV. Um, and he eventually did. And it was a really bizarre interview. I went in. Basically, it was uh, a company off of Chicago Sun-Times. So Chicago Sun-Times is one of the biggest print newspapers in Chicago. Right. But it was this site called Agrigo. It's actually partly funded, or not funded, but owned by Dennis O'Brien. Oh, right, okay. So it has this weird Irish connection. Right. And my interview was basically talking about my experience, obviously. And then um, I remember one guy that interviewed me opened up my Twitter. He's yeah. like, how do you have this many followers? I had maybe the guts of, I'd say it. 500 or something right not a, like anything to write home about yeah i was like i don't know i just tweet about this and this and this he's like that's amazing great you're hired like it was so bizarre i feel like because they were so new right and it was a content creation site so it was basically it was really fun it was an office of 20 young people all in their 20s like college graduates and we were each given different cities and we were creating content that was, imagine it's like the love child of Joe.ie and Love in Dublin. Okay. So it was like, you'll never guess what. Here's five great brunch places to eat in Milwaukee this weekend. Like that kind of right. stuff. So I really enjoyed it because I was sitting in a room full of uh, like young Americans that were my age. Normally when you go in J1s like that, you tend to stick to either the bars or... Irish people yeah. and it really broke me out of that that's huge yeah great idea and I really learned even how to write like an American 
language is so different to how we communicate. What do you mean? As in, I can't think of anything off like the top of my head. Like how you write prose or how you spell words? Both. How, well, right, yeah. okay. How you structure your sentences is just, I don't know, you just get used to reading American media and then you see how they actually yeah, write. Yeah, fair enough. It's different. Interesting. Um, And it was soul-destroying at the same time. So yeah. I got assigned maybe six or seven cities. So at the start, they were all like Midwest cities, like Milwaukee, Detroit, Omaha, places I'd never even heard of. Yeah. I lived in constant fear that someone would Google my name and be like, this girl doesn't have a clue what she's talking about. Because every day you had to write... I think it was like 10 articles per city, which was a, like a lot. Oh, yeah. Per day? Yeah. Now, at, at any given time, you might have had three cities, but you're still writing maybe like 30 articles or something. It's crazy. Yeah. Which meant the quality crazy. was appalling. Yeah. So it had to be like three current affairs, three entertainment, and three sports. That's nuts. Like, that's really nuts. But it meant that like a good half of those were here's how Milwaukee reacted to The Bachelor last night. And you would just fill it with Twitter. You'd pull like a geolocation of tweets from Milwaukee with hashtag The Bachelor. Yeah, okay. And then you and then you would, because all you wanted were hits to your sure. articles. So then it was such a trick because then you would have this article that was like, oh, this is what happened in The Bachelor last night. This person kissed this person and this person did this or whatever. I don't know if you know what The Bachelor is. but it's Yeah, in Australia, like, it's huge. Yeah. Like, it's embarrassing how big it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, because you probably loved it, didn't you? Not at all. <laughs> I, like, I, I literally never watched it. Um, and it was actually really funny. One day I was down by, in Australia, they have, like, bars for calisthenics uh, just out in the sun. Yeah. And uh, I was down by the bars one night and there's some guys doing, like, a handstand push-ups. And I was like, oh, my God, this guy's, like, a stallion. I went yeah. over and I was like, how do you do these things? And it turns out he was a really famous guy, but I had no idea who he wow. was. So he was just chatting really casually. He was like, this guy has no idea who I am. It's great. <laughs> we just started chatting. Um, but, it was, but yeah, it's a big it, thing. It was a cheat because you would do a little blurb about the show and be like, oh my God, can't believe this happened. Here's what all the viewers in Milwaukee think. And you would put in maybe like 10 good tweets. I say good, like it was... Good as in they got they had a lot of forty characters. All <laughs> oh, right. No, there it would, would be good content, and then you would tweet those people and say, "Hey, I used your tweet in this article. Check it out here." And then most people would ignore it, but a good handful would say, "Oh my god, I'm Twitter famous!" and then share it with their friends, and it would snowball that way. So Why? it was such a cheat. Yeah, pure cheat. Yeah, that drives me nuts. Actually, you can't. My one, I know, dr- drove me nuts. Yeah. I did it for nine months. My best story that I had was when I covered New York and I got maybe like half a million views to this story about, no way. when I tell you the headline, it's going to be awful, but it was um, two guys got arrested on the subway for man spreading. So literally like sitting with their legs apart. I won't do it because I'm wearing a dress. Right. Which actually was interesting, but I'd say if I looked at the article, it was terrible. Wait, so I've never heard of man spreading, but I kind of get it. But yeah, like, what were they wearing? Illegal. Just shorts? No, so like... You're not supposed to take up more space than required on a train, on a subway. Wait, that's... so. Man-spreading is a thing, yeah. They didn't have anything out. No. Oh, right. It was actually quite controversial because... I thought they... Yeah, oh, no. No, 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 no. <laughs> right. no. They just sat with their legs apart. Okay, okay, okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It Fair was enough. controversial. There were, I think the reason it got so many hits is because it was a controversial time. The cops were 
arrested them like at midnight when there was no one else on the train. They okay. kind of it was kind of one of these stories where they had like oh, a quota right. to to reach. Yeah, and they yeah, just arrested yeah. Them. Oh my god, right. Well, oh, I thought they were like it was a busy train. They had their face and had their cops no, up. Right, no, right, right, no. Right, right. <laughs> you said it. Yeah, I was just like, I had to my go other idea. best article. Didn't get as many hits though. Was about a lady who in Ohio who stabbed her husband because he ate all the guacamole. No way. Yeah. And that's why I quit. That moves on from Chicago Sun Times. And you left Chicago Sun Times. You leave Chicago. No, I left Chicago Sun Times and started working in the office of one of the bars, just like to tide me over. And then I did a bit of traveling, and then you came back. Came back, and that brings me to Google, I suppose, but. In getting here, it was, I'm going to say pure fluke, but it's not because it's all about who you know, I suppose, and Again. maintaining those connections. But it was a panic moment because my parents kept getting on to me saying, you're coming back in a month, like, have you applied for any jobs? So I panicked one day and I went on to LinkedIn, scrolled through LinkedIn, and I was like, come on, come on, I need to see something. And a girl that I had been in college with that I was done, I think it was maybe the fashion show or like some worked in some society with her, had a status up saying, Google hiring, let yeah. me know if you need a, re- a referral. So that is another, I suppose, comes back to my point on, like, use your connections. Mm. Um, well, particularly with tech companies, because tech companies give a... Referrals. Well, I certainly know with some, yeah, with some tech companies, mm. the, the quota is as high as 80% of people who get hired in are from referrals. And then the people inside there who refer someone gets a bonus, so... If you have anyone in a company, in a tech company you're trying to get into, message them because they'll be happy to hear from you because yeah. they get money if you go in. And it increases your chances then by 80% or however that math works out. Um, there's, there's a question I want to ask. So you went to, you went from media yes. with uh, radio in college mm-hmm. and then welfare a little bit different than events, media again, and then writing. Yeah. Well, kind of looking at, radio and tv and that sort of thing and writing there's all this expression and media or somewhat creativity involved there is that maybe your primary driver for a career or for a job or like what line what 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 do you see in i'm glad you picked up on that that is my yeah it's probably my goal if at some point to like for my career to have a creative element right okay that's what it's missing at the minute yeah sure and yeah i'm trying like on the side to keep something creative in my life mm. um but yeah you've kind of hit the nail on the head there well i i asked because uh it was was massively missing from mine when i was in finance and yeah. then google allows for it internally would say i did the events and that sort of thing but even still, like you need to be doing it on the side. And so when I was in Google, I started writing blogs, and then I started writing stories just myself. Started writing poetry, did uh, nice. did started the events business then, and then started this. So it was all these outlets. It was just yeah. express. Like that, that's a key word for me is to get it out of you, whatever's yeah. in there, and keep finding more of what's in there. And like I didn't know there was poetry or short stories or anything, but they're yeah. all there. And you just keep going, and and it's really fun, and it feels great. Yeah. I so, totally agreed. And it, I feel like, in one sense, we all need a creative outlet or an I expression really think outlet. So. But I wonder sometimes, I sometimes feel like I might pull back from expressing myself because I associate expressing myself with social media. And those two shouldn't have to be linked. So I feel like society, or at least our generation, 
might associate those two together sure. and they think well if I want to write I have to create a blog and I people are going to judge me then or that's putting it out there for people to have an opinion on mm. and that shouldn't be why you want to express yourself creatively sure because oh you're doing an art class but like how many likes did you get on Instagram for that yeah so I feel like that's like a subconscious element to what we're doing and it shouldn't be like that we should just be able to go sit down and paint and like let ourselves get into that flow or that and it not be measured as yeah. well you know like not yeah. how many likes or whatever it is yeah. that's, that's a huge point I haven't like I kind of I knew I knew exactly what you're talking about but I've never thought about it yeah. in those terms before very very good point and it just came to me there when you said it because I yeah. kind of question myself sometimes and wonder why am I not doing something more creative and that's sometimes the first thing I think of is like yeah, sure. I don't really want to put myself out there yeah because you don't know what people might think or you might think oh is Lorna trying to become an influencer now or something like yeah. that and I just realized in the last second that it's not really about that yeah that's very interesting yeah I find that my struggle with and it's probably weird to say on this my struggle with the social media part of this is that idea so I've written all these poems and short stories no one's ever read any of them yeah, yeah. I just love them I just love doing it and I'm used to that and I'm like I, I haven't bought into the social media stuff but then this yeah. becomes a part of it and and this is all kind of you know I, I guess it, uh, this is where the attention is so this is where you need to yes, go yeah. if you want to help graduates um, which is a strange part of it yeah I think just on your short story piece and mm. your poetry like I love the idea of having a creative expression and expressing it with like with human elements so like you should have a open open mic or like a I don't know you know, yeah, like you should I do like so. a story slam. Or I'll, like I'll put, I'll put a, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of putting a, a book together. Like so, I've, I've done novels and stuff, but now I'm looking also at a, a poetry collection. Yeah. Um. So like, I just think that's cool. I, yeah. I, 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 I'm, do you know what it is? It's a mental itch. So sometimes I'm there, like I don't know, after dinner or whatever, and I'm just like, God, I've like an itchy brain, and I need to just get a poetry out or get a poem out, wow, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. it's scratched, and then I can sleep. And that's the kind of thing. Um, so it's kind of like that. Yeah. It's like, you know, the way sometimes you just have a craving for, like, I don't know, like Doritos or something like that. <laughs> Haribo. Yes. It's, it's like that. It's like, God, I just need to murder a bag of Haribo. I need to just go and write a poem. Yeah, phone. I need to get it out. And it only yeah, takes, yeah. like, it genuinely takes 10 minutes. Yeah. And then uh, I'm just delighted and I can go and, like, you know, calm down again. <laughs> it's a funny thing. Um, well, I always mean, have Doritos and Haribo's at the ready if you need. So. Yeah. <laughs> We're in Google. We must go scavenging soon. Mm. Um, on that note, probably ready to jump into the quick fires. Oh, yes. So I have given you warning. I'm not sure if you've uh, <laughs> if you've heeded it. Um, what is a change you wish to see in the world? A change I wish to see in the world. I feel like there's been a switch in my brain in the past. I'm going to say four months about the environment. Right. Interesting. I'm just so clued into. I've just suddenly become really aware of my my carbon footprint yeah. and my my plastic intake. Yeah, well, the, where the water is, I these know, are these are no good. I know, but I'm really aware of it. I'm consciously trying to not use them. <laughs> I know I'm that wasn't my, meant as like no, an F you were okay, just in my hand. That's okay. That's um, okay. Um, yeah, that, 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 these yeah. are very bad. And I think I feel. I don't know if it's. You know, when you, you think that things are changing because when you look on your social media feeds, you're following like-minded people. So mm. 
but I genuinely feel like people might be becoming more aware of it. I think so, but it's happening very, very slowly, far too slowly, really. Far too slowly. Um, and people aren't willing, like the fact that we're, because I'm very environmentally conscious as well, yeah. the fact that we're doing this means that we're not as good as we think we are, yeah. you know? Um, so that's yeah. a part of it. Like but yeah, no, it's a huge yeah. thing. You, do you know about Garbage Island? Garbage Island is, is four times the size of France. And it's an island in the North Pacific yeah. between Hawaii and I think Asia or whatever country is next to it. Four times the size of France. So if you look like, I don't know, is the furthest building over there. It's not just here to there covered in garbage 200 meters. Oh, it's four times the size so of big. France. So it's unfathomably large, just yeah. floating in the ocean. Um, but it's it's everything. It's I watched a documentary on Netflix about fast fashion recently. That's yeah. I I I won't go to those places. H and M is like the worst. H and M and Zara. Yeah. I won't shop in those places anymore because of that. It's scary. Yeah, yeah, they're terrible, terrible, terrible for environmental. But I, it's our mentality as well because they even talk about how our society is, like, oh, I'm going out on Friday. I'll buy a new top. Like we are so transactional with oh, yeah. how we look and. Yeah fashion is driving that so yeah no it's um that's that's awful and it is it, i'm glad you mentioned it because incidentally 24 episodes in hasn't actually been brought up yet oh wow yeah strangely enough oh i'm delighted um, so yeah good on you um that's change you see in the world uh life lesson you've learned today life lesson is maybe it's that oh the yeah contact thing yeah be nice um because you'll meet people on the way up and the way down yeah the other one that i learned from welfare is be kind to everyone because and i learned this like day to day in my job that i do at the moment customer service is be kind to everyone because you just don't know what battles people are actually going through yeah sure. and i feel like we're very quick to be like oh he's in a rage of a mood like what's got his goat but really we don't know and i feel like we have to i don't know act a bit uh i don't know have a bit of emotional intelligence about us and, yeah yeah that's um that's a really really big one and one that probably you probably might have learned in welfare somewhat yeah. as well yeah knowing that people have things going on behind the scenes that, that amazed me because students that i would see like roaming around campus happy-go-lucky and then i'd speak to them and mm. like it's incredible yeah i i'm I, I like to think i'm decent at, at being aware of that as well just because like someone looks like something and there's so much more going on yes yeah um, yeah yeah. yeah, that's a that's a really good one as well. Yeah. Um, so be nice you, and be kind. Yeah, there you go. Hopefully, we can have more <laughs> yeah, of these. Big halo on my head. Trying <laughs> to. Um, any something you wish you did in college? I think I know. I talked about the media production society a lot. And Very cool, by the way. Even said that I had my own radio show, but I don't think I did enough. Right. Because, yeah, I could like the equipment that I had access to was incredible yet yeah. I could not I couldn't have even set up the camera the way that you did camera yeah <laughs> but that's terrible I studied media for three years and that is ridiculous actually yeah I only focused on audio so like I could I can maybe edit well, an audio file you weren't file. very good with yeah. the mics either I'm just saying <laughs> I can maybe audio uh, edit an audio file but great you are film, give like, me your email address no. This is brilliant. I've been looking for someone. But I think if like future grads are looking at this, it's the access that you have, like the programs and the equipment and that kind mm. of stuff that you have access to in college as a student. Use it, it is all. incredible. Yeah. And the multitude of skills. Like 
say now I kind of actually do want a media person to do all the tech stuff because yeah. I really just don't like it. It's the opposite of my skill set. Yeah. It'd be great to have a student to do it. Yeah. And realizing, God, I, I was surrounded by media students when I was in college. Absolutely. Health, like if I was doing something for obesity, like all the health guys studying health, they're all just yeah. right there or whatever it is, you know? The, you just have everything when you're in college and it's all free yeah. like it's unbelievable the only thing is like it is difficult when you maybe have to go like have a part-time job or like yeah. when you're being a student there's other factors that yeah for sure stand in the way yeah, so yeah. i think yeah just and you need to get it. the student crack out of the way as well so you can focus on your yeah. 20s That's i really want to go back to college now because i think i'd take it more seriously I would, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'd absolutely take it. And I'd be doing every competition or uh, like business yeah. competition or trip or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah, come on, give it to me. 100%. Um, that's something you wish you did in college. Something you wish you did as a grad. Your grad experience was quite weird, yeah. though. Like, was you, weird. you went to Chicago and you kind of did this and that, and now you're here. So. I think. I think everyone should do the grad year if they can. The In America? Yeah. Interesting. Or at least like some sort of grad program or something I think why I just think that yeah I don't know I think it well I suppose the grad program in America is unique because it's a completely different country you're really fending for yourself and it's kind of like dropped in the in the real world but you can only stay a year so it's kind of like this yeah not real state like it's yeah does that make sense yes it does but a lot of people have this res- feel this responsibility to be in the real world and that sort of thing. Yeah. Like life is, you're born and then life yeah. happens and you die. There's no rules. There's no set yeah. structure that you're meant to follow. It's like you have to be in the real world for a certain amount yeah. of years. If an opportunity presents itself to be out of the real world and it's a class opportunity, just go and do yeah, it. Don't do even it. think about it. So I'm actually, think, yeah. I'm, while I'm with you, I wouldn't even give, I wouldn't even pay heed to this whole real world stuff. Yeah. You just do things. That's so true. I know it sounds weird, but like yeah. you just like you're gonna die soon, so you might as well, you know. Yeah. Like, I there's nothing else to it really, in my opinion, than that. I think, in one sense, I have no regrets as a grad, but maybe on that note, I would love to have maybe taken a gap year. Right. Because okay. I maybe got too real too quick. Yeah. Fair enough. Geez, that's very. Yeah. And obviously, being in America is a gap year in itself, but like. I'm going to be working for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, that would have been a great time to just do nothing. Yeah. When I was 23, I was like, I was literally living the life of like a 35 year old, like just kind of working all the time and like almost living with someone. It was just madness. Like, yeah. You just need to calm down and enjoy, enjoy what you can. Um, a book recommendation? You a reader? Yes. A book recommendation? I have two. So one is, it's called Maya Angelou. Or it's by Maya Angelou called Letters to My Daughters. Have never, heard of, no, never heard, have you heard of Maya Angelou. No. Oh, she's amazing. Right, okay. Yeah, she's a writer and a poet. So if you're nice. into poetry, you should look her up. Letters to My Daughters. Letters to My Daughters. So she doesn't have any daughters. But it's like, a, it's kind of a coming of age story. She tells her story. She had a really tough background. She's African American, grew up in San Francisco, maybe. And anything that could have went wrong went wrong but she is like or she she's passed away now but she was so successful um so uh commended for her work and like recognized as like a serious artist so her whole life story is just incredible and each chapter kind of reflects on 
maybe something that went wrong or something that she learned. Right. And every chapter is like an amazing. Amazing, like brilliant, brilliant. And yeah. did she ever have daughters? No, she had a son. Right. Okay. And that's it. Yeah. Interesting. So it's kind of like, yeah, an ode to to women. I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. Really yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's very cool. Yeah. Okay. Lovely. And yeah. then um, a quote to finish up. What quote to the to remember? Um, my quote, which is my new favorite quote, so okay. it's my recent one, is there are people who would love to have your bad days, which I really like because... Yeah, it reminds you you're in a good position. Yeah. Okay. And even if you're not, I don't know, is that a bit cynical to be like, oh, there's someone worse off than me, but I think it's perspective and yeah, exactly. constantly reminding yourself of like, I'm a big fan of the whole gratitude journaling and stuff like that, so I think being reflective of what you have is really important yeah. and not let, getting too bogged down by real world stuff yeah she's really anti the real world I know. there are people who would love to have your bad days on that note yeah. Lorna Finnegan thank, thank you very you. much for joining us that was great fun that was lovely lots to learn as well